0: Matthew's Gospel, chapter seven, please. I want to deal with the particular verse that I will deal with is verse twelve and verse thirteen and fourteen, but uh, particularly verse thirteen and fourteen. But I want to begin at verse twelve because the the passage will be through these uh, down through verse twenty. Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you. Do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, Every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth corrupt fruit. Hallelujah. A corrupt tree, I'm sorry, let me say that again. A corrupt bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Did you see that? A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. You say amen to God's word. may be seated this morning. Sometimes Brother Woods doesn't have sermon titles, although I'm dealing with the title of Love and Righteousness in this passage and its relationship to that subject. G. Campbell Morgan was a man that, uh, an English pastor, minister, Bible student, Bible scholar, Bible teacher, par excellence. And um, he was an expositor, of God's Word, but it cost him hours. He personally said before he put pen to paper and began to write his thoughts down about the book of Exodus, he read it, he said in a sitting 40 times. And spent so much time in the Word and he went particularly on a particular day in America to preach at a a minister's church. And the minister had been boasting of certain sermon, catchy sermon titles. The Price of a Haircut. We probably know what that story was all about. Two Lumps of Sugar, please. I don't know what that was about. Um, Some kind of sermon title advertised during the week that would catch people's eye. And he had somehow that Sunday they had messed up and announced that G. Campbell Morgan would be preaching on the sermon title of this pastor, which was something like, this is my greatest weakness. And it was some kind of little catchy title. And the pastor got up to introduce Brother Morgan and said, he apologized. That was not, the. he said the the speaker will not be, Speaking on that this morning, that's my topic and I'll be doing that next week. There must have been some kind of, I don't know, I don't know, little lighthearted hearted uh, response from the crowd. But Brother Morgan simply went to the pulpit and he said this without any sermon title at all. He looked across that congregation he lifted his voice and said, Hear the word of the Lord. They said the hush that fell over the place was unreal. I don't really care for you to go home and remember the sermon title. I care care for you to go home and to remember the scripture that was preached in the sermon. There have been many folks who could tell me, I remember when so-and-so preached a sermon and this was the title. And they can't tell you anything of the content. A sermon title won't help you. But I can tell you something, the content of the message can change your life. Right. Amen? Right. Not against sermon titles. I use them from time to time. <laughs> I don't use them too often, but from time to time. But the most important thing is, is you got a book that you need to know. This book is your life. Do you understand that? And I'm praying this year that we will come to love the God of this book and that it will drive us to a greater love for his word. Oh, hallelujah. So that we might just absolutely drown ourselves in the wonderful word of the Lord and come to appreciate it more, to love it more, to seek its pages more, to know its wisdom more so that we might become better acquainted and more intimate with the God who is revealed to us in this holy, wonderful word. And I'm challenging you to that. And most important is today is not that you remember my sermon title, but that you understand the content and the context of this message and you're able to understand better what has been written here so you can apply it under your life. That's the goal of the message. Not that you may remember the preacher, but that you may remember the God that was preached. Amen. Not that you may remember the antics or the demonstration of the speaker, but that you may remember the content of what was said so that you might become like the God that is preached about. We have talked about love and righteousness and there has been three aspects that we have dealt with. The principle in chapter 5 we have dealt with Uh, uh, this or the passion rather I should say that is found in chapter 5. We have talked about uh, the principle involved later in chapter 5 and then the pursuit of that. And Christ is coming to the end of this sermon and this this, uh, discourse on the mount and there are some final things that he's, he is summarizing and, and wrapping things up. And he, and he comes to this place in, in what has now been placed as verse 13, although he wouldn't have uh, 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 talked about numbers and verses. It was all one discourse. And he looks across that crowd, And I believe at this time, and these are, of course, our disciples, and that there are many of them that are, their minds are are being blown away. They are, he has said things that are are somewhat strange to their ears. I think of the Athenians and uh, uh, those that go, we have heard strange things today. And uh, I'll preach about the resurrection. I I would that the world uh, would hear a message in the church and think it's strange. (laughs) Amen. It's a sad day when the world can come come to church and here's the same song and dance here that they hear out among their prophets and out among their teachers. And I'll tell you what the church preaches ought to be strange unto the world. But these disciples just becoming acquainted with the ministry of Christ and seeing where he's going because quite frankly he's not the Messiah they thought he would be. He's not the king they thought he would be. He's not acting like they thought he would act. He's not doing everything the way they thought he would do everything in their 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 struggling some of this and he's telling them things that are just absolutely mind-boggling because he doesn't speak like anybody else. He speaks with an authority. He speaks with a sense of, of, of supremacy that he is not merely, that he is not one under authority but one in authority. He is not preaching as one who is really in some sense subject to the word but he's preaching who as one who is the word. He's not preaching so much as one subject to the law but one who is the lawgiver, and that's how Jesus is speaking on this mountainside, and folks are taken back by it. Amen. And so Jesus looks at them and says, Enter in at the straight gate, enter in at the straight gate. Yeah. Ah, that's an interesting thing. Now let, let me let me clarify one thing here for you as you look in your Bibles. Let's make sure because some folks sometimes read it and they can be confused. There's a difference between the word straight, S-T-R-A-I-T, and straight, S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T. All right? Everything straight is not straight. All right? As it may be in your mind, the word straight, S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T, means basically that which is not crooked. It is that which is in a direct line, no bends, no turns. It's a straight rod. It's a straight stick. It's a straight wall. It's a straight road. It can be as wide as you want it to be, but we're talking about there are no bends and no turns. That's not the word used in this verse. The word used in this verse is S-T-R-A-I-T, straight. Straight. We still use the word today, but we don't see it as often. And it doesn't mean that which is not crooked, but it means that which is very confining, that which is very narrow. So that sometimes we say, man, I was in dire straits. What do you mean you were in dire straits? I'll tell you what, we would say that another way. I was between a rock and a hard place. I had nowhere to go. I had nowhere to move. I was shut into this thing and I was pressed in on every side around it. And when he said enter in at the straight gate, he wasn't talking about a gate that wasn't crooked. He was talking about a gate that was very narrow. He was talking about a gate that was so tight you'd have to squeeze through it that it would take off. All of your focus and your energy to get in and get through that gate. And when you get on the other side of that gate, you'll find out the roadway isn't broad either. It's narrow. Yeah. It's confined. This gate and way will hem you in. It'll press you in. And he says, enter into that gate. Right. Amen. Now that's where I want to deal with that passage. And I want to talk about that passage in its context. Let's look about this word that he said right before he makes this statement. HE SAYS, FOR ALL THINGS, HE SAID, VERSE 12, THEREFORE ALL THINGS WHATSOEVER YE WOULD THAT MEN SHOULD DO TO YOU, DO YE EVEN SO TO THEM, FOR THIS IS THE LAW AND THE PROPHETS. THERE IS FIRST OF ALL, RELATIVE TO THIS GATE, I WANT TO TALK ABOUT A PRINCIPLE THAT'S INVOLVED HERE. THERE'S A PRINCIPLE HERE, HE'S MENTIONED IT BEFORE. Why don't you go back there into uh, uh, chapter 5 for a moment, this idea of the law and the prophets. Whenever you read a phrase in the Bible and you see a phrase is repeated, go back and look at the things that were said before that mention that phrase. When you're reading uh, uh, through the Bible, sometimes, many times, it helps to go and find uh, where is the first time this is mentioned in the Bible. It is in theological terms what we call the law of first mention. I'm not dealing with that today, but it is important. When a subject is first mentioned in the Bible, get can MAKE A MAJOR IMPACT BECAUSE GOD PUT IT THERE WHEN HE WANTED TO PUT IT THERE, BROUGHT IT ABOUT AT A PARTICULAR TIME AND THIS BECOMES FOREMOST IN THE MESSAGE AND SO uh, WE GO BACK AND IN THIS SERMON, THE LAW OF FIRST MENTION, WHEN THIS IDEA OF LAW AND PROPHETS WAS MENTIONED BECAUSE REMEMBER, THEY'VE HEARD ALL OF THIS SERMON AT ONE SETTING AND SO IT WOULD HAVE BEEN IN THEIR MIND, HEY, I JUST HEARD HIM SAY THAT. THE LAW AND THE PROPHETS, BACK IN MATTHEW'S GOSPEL IN CHAPTER 5. He said this in verse 17, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fool the prophets. Feel. Yes. Now that's what he says. Right at the beginning of his message, uh, he is telling them, Do not think that I have come to do away with the law and the prophets. Now, a little further study, and uh, we'll, we'll, we can learn that from the scripture. We can go back to the Old Testament. They were familiar with that language. Uh, the law was the first five books of the Bible Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That is the very uh, precept, uh, the commandment that God has given, uh, and Although all of those books, uh, Genesis is not a book as much about precepts uh, as it is about history. Genesis talks about the creation of man. It talks about the history leading up to Abraham and then to Joseph uh, and, and the coming of the children of Israel and the creation of that nation and bringing them down into Egypt land uh, and how they were getting there. Exodus will be the coming of the law and, and will talk about the uh, uh, them coming into the wilderness and the formation of the nation, the Ten Commandments, and then the, the case law uh, that comes out of that. Uh, Leviticus will be the priest book uh, or the handbook of the priest uh, and will show them how to deal with their offerings and offer the thing, the sacrifice. It will, will establish uh, their ecclesiastical system will be established in the book of Leviticus. Numbers will tell the again the book of history and the wanderings in the wilderness. Uh, Deuteronomy, which means second law, will be the final words of, of Moses who will be considered the lawgiver. Uh, John will say in John. Chapter 1 For the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And so Moses was the lawgiver. He will preach the law and give to them the law. And Deuteronomy will be the final comments and and precepts given to a nation just before entering into the promised land. Then we will get to what they will call the prophets. The remaining portion of scripture for them will fall under the category of the prophets. That's how the Bible will be. divided, And now the prophets are there not to introduce new law but to apply the law that's already been given. When the law is broken, the prophet will reprove you. When the law needs to be known, the the priest will teach it. The prophet will also teach it and they will apply it to your life. The prophet will tell you the direction the nation's going. The prophet will come and there will be history will be given and the story of Israel that will come through that. But that is the scripture. When Jesus says at this point in time, THE LAW AND THE PROPHETS, uh, THAT IS ALL OF SCRIPTURE THAT EXISTS. Uh, THERE IS NO NEW TESTAMENT. THERE IS NO WORD THAT IS TO COME YET. HE IS NOW COMING AND TELLING THEM uh, THAT THE SCRIPTURE THAT WAS GIVEN THEM BY GOD, THE WORD THAT WAS WRITTEN DOWN BY GOD, THE MORAL CODE, THE COMMANDS, uh, THE APPLICATION OF THOSE COMMANDS, uh, THE HISTORY OF THOSE COMMANDS, uh, AND THE HISTORY OF HUMANITY, ALL THAT'S CONTAINED uh, IN THE LAW AND PROPHETS. JESUS SAID, I DIDN'T COME TO ANNIHILATE IT. I DIDN'T COME TO GET RID OF IT. I'M NOT HERE TO STOP over, I'm here to finish. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm not here to do something that's yeah. entirely different. I'm here to finish up what was started years right. ago and what began under that economy is now going to come to fruition. Amen. Powerful, powerful thing. Right. And interesting, now he comes. Let's look a little bit more at this idea of the law and prophets. Take your your Bible and go over to uh, look at what Matthew says. Sometimes it's good, too, just to confine yourself to a particular book. What all does Matthew say about the law and the prophets? Well, flip over with me to chapter 11. And he mentions something there. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. Now, Christ has just been asked a question. The disciples of John the Baptist have come to him John's a bit troubled because he doesn't understand all that Jesus is doing. And he wants to know if Jesus was the one or another was coming. Did John miss it somewhere? And he, he needs to know that. He's sitting in prison and things don't look too good for him. But Jesus answers and responds and he makes this statement, verse 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it. By force, for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. Here's this law and prophets, prophets and law, same thing. Here, the order REVERSE reversed because he wants to emphasize the prophesying and that all of this was happening, bringing us up to John. He's telling us that John became a bridge, John became a dividing point, John Amen. became the start or the fulfillment of one thing in the beginning of something else. And he says, ALL THE LAW AND THE PROPHETS WERE HEADED uh, TO BRING US UP TO JOHN. BUT HE SAID FROM THE DAYS OF JOHN, SINCE JOHN CAME INTO THE WORLD, NOW THE KINGDOM OF HEAVEN IS SUFFERING VIOLENCE. Uh, AND HE SAID THE VIOLENCE WILL TAKE IT BY FORCE. Uh, SOMETHING NEW IS BEGINNING. Uh, OH MY, JOHN IS PREACHING. AND WHEN JOHN HAS COME OUT OF THE WILDERNESS PREACHING, HE ISN'T JUST PREACHING TO JEWS. Uh, HE'S PREACHING TO Gentiles. Uh, HE'S PREACHING TO WHOEVER WILL HEAR. HE IS TAKING ON NOT MERELY THE IDEA OF A PROPHET. HE'S BECOME AN EVANGELIST. Uh, He is now preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and he's telling the world, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, He's reaching out to men uh, no matter where you are. Some of them are soldiers. uh, Some of them are prostitutes. uh, They're poor. They're rich. They're Pharisee. uh, There's religious. There's irreligious. uh, On and on. And he's telling them, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The king is coming uh, and you need to get ready because there's a new kingdom. uh, The kingdom is getting ready to be ushered in uh, and you need to be a part of that kingdom, but you can't live in that kingdom unless you're in agreement with the king. And so he preaches and shares. Let me tell you something. Israel was never, did not have a company of evangelists. Israel would be a light as a nation. As they simply carried out God's word and obeyed his commands within their own country. But Israel did not go out to the nations and preach the gospel. They didn't go out and preach about a coming kingdom. They didn't go out there. All the work of the prophets was in a large part keeping Israel straight. All the work that the prophets is doing uh, is trying to keep that nation on track, uh, telling the future of that nation. Yes, there were things that did involve other nations. Uh, there was times there will be a Jonah that will be sent out uh, unto a city. But it wasn't general preaching. It was because there's a city, because every nation and city is subject to the sovereignty of God, uh, and is going to come under God's judgment, and if they don't quit their, their pagan, ungodly, uh, defiling ways, God's fixing to judge them and wipe them off off the map. And so he sends an Israelite down there to tell him that that wasn't always the norm. God didn't send prophets out to all the nations all the time. And you didn't find prophets going out into the nations and healing and and, and, and trying to make sure that every culture had the word of God in their language and every culture heard about the message of the coming king. No, they themselves are waiting for a king. They themselves are ready for the Messiah, but they're not necessarily taking to the world. But now something's happening. This isn't just for a chosen few. This isn't just for some who are of a certain race and kind. This gospel's going to go out unto all the world. Hallelujah. And men and women are going to hear. And now it isn't going to be just to the man. It's going to be to the woman. It's going to be to the child. Repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. And the fact of the matter is, is the kingdom is now being preached. It's being asserted. It's being pushed. And when the kingdom makes a Pushed, the people push back. Yes, yes. Now it's no longer. Well, we're Jews. If you want to join us, fine. If not, fine. Now it says repent, because this king is not just a Jewish king. He's the king of the earth. Yes, yeah. he's the king of the Gentile. And his kingdom is not just a kingdom with one race. It's a king of all races and all bloods and all types of people. And you need to repent. The kingdom is now going out with an aggression that it has not had before. Jesus is preaching aggressively. He is doing. He is now also aggressively attacking the kingdom of darkness. You will not read in the Old Testament of demons being cast out uh, of, of this multiple healings. There were some healings. Uh, there were a few resurrections, but they are few in number. But now Jesus is doing it on a scale it's never oh, seen before. Good, he good, looks good. at a demon possessed person and says in the name or, or, or whatever, just come out. He doesn't have to say in the name. He is the name and he commands him to come out and the demons go out. In other words, now there is an aggressiveness of the kingdom of God has come to assert its authority. Yeah. It's come to assert its power and it's asserting that power and authority against the powers of darkness. And quite frankly, whenever the kingdom pushes against the rebellious, the rebellious push back. Uh, whenever the kingdom says repent, uh, they say, I will not repent. Uh, and now there's violence, uh, and the people are now persecuting. Uh, they're blaspheming. Uh, they're speaking things about the king. Uh, they're saying the king is casting out devils by Beelzebub. He's in league uh, with the king or the prince of devils, uh, and he is no uh, not a king worthy of our submission. And on and on the violence is there. There's all kind of criticism. Uh, there's all kind of questions. Uh, there's all kind of doubts. Uh, there's all kind of different opinions. ALL KIND OF VIOLENCE IS BEING DONE TO THE KINGDOM OF GOD. YOU WOULD THINK IF THE KING CAME TO THIS WORLD AND BROUGHT SUCH GLORY AND SUCH HEALTH AND SUCH POWER AND SUCH STRENGTH AND SUCH LIBERTY, YOU'D THINK THE WORLD WOULD OPEN THEIR eyes. Up and yes. say, please, on, uh, this has been our desire, this has been our, our want. Uh, we have longed for this, uh, but no, uh, because of the heart of that kingdom is yes. a principle that says you must bow and you must bend and you must give everything yes. Yes. Uh, unto the king. Yes. The gate yes. is straight. Yes. My, my. Well, glory. Amen. Christianity. Was not meant to be a passive religion right, right. Amen. that sits in four walls That's right. and enjoys itself. Yeah. We're meant to push against the powers of darkness. Right. Right. We're meant to be right. aggressive against the darkness of this world. Yes. And when you do that, look for the violence to come. Oh, yeah. right. And now, if you are going to be able to get into this kingdom, you're going to have to get past the criticism. You're gonna have to get past the obscurity because men will try to obscure the kingdom so you can't see it. You have to get past the blasphemy. You have to get past the doubt. You have to get past all of the self-righteousness and all that people will make their own claims. Well, you can do it your own way. Well, my way is as good as his. My opinion's as good as his. You gotta get past all of that, all of that violence. You have to get past that prince of devils that's pushing on your mind and pushing on your spirit and trying to exalt you and keep you in the world. you yeah. got to get past that if you're going to have a hold of this kingdom. Ooh. And I'm telling you something right now. He telling us the law and the prophets terminated in the sense of the type of ministry that would come forth. It is now different. The kingdom is coming aggressively. And if you're going to get a hold of it, you're going to have to aggressively lay hold of it. Yeah. You're going to have to get the sword in the yeah. hand and say, I will have this. Yeah. Get out of my yeah. way. Yeah. I'm going through the straight gate. Glory yeah. to God. Yeah. Amen. Now, watch again, this law and the prophets. Let's put together a couple of verses, chapter 22. I say to you again, the law and the prophets were preached. At the end of the go- uh, end of Acts, you' don't have to turn there. You can look sometime, chapter 28. Paul's in Rome and he's preaching. Guess what he's using to preach, the gospel. The law. And the prophets. He's not using the, using the writings of Peter. He's not using the writings of Matthew. He's not using the writings of John. He's using the words of Moses. He's using Isaiah. And Jeremiah. And Zechariah. And Hosea. And Daniel. And he's preaching Jesus to the people. If you get rid of those 37 books of the Old 39 books I'm sorry of the Old Testament if you get rid of those you just shot out a great a massive amount of material about Jesus Christ he preached it from the law and the prophets but the difference now is is that the law and prophets as they've been presented by Israel were in some sense uh, of just a presentation and it was something that seemed to be unique just to that nation that was their law code that was their moral code but now it's being preached to the whole world glory to God and it's not just uh, the scriptures of one nation it's not just the moral code of one nation it's the moral code of every nation glory to God because the king who is the king of this country is Jesus Christ and he's a king over all of the earth watch this in Matthew's gospel now another principle chapter 22 of Matthew down to verse 36 master the lawyer comes asking master which is the great commandment in the law Jesus said it to him thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind this is the first and great commandment And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments. You get that? On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Wow. Everything that was the aim of Isaiah... The entire aim of Jeremiah, the entire aim of Leviticus, the entire aim of Joshua... The entire aim of 1st and 2nd Kings. The entire desire of God and purpose that God would have for mankind that was expressed in numerous ways throughout the law and throughout the prophets. You can hang Moses on these two commandments. You can take two hooks and put them on the side of the wall. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy mind and with all thy soul and with all thy strength that's a commandment and then hang this one thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself and you've got you now two hooks uh, two big hooks uh, and I'm telling you you can hang uh, every of th- uh, the 39 books uh, all of them are hanging uh, on those two commandments uh, in other words if you don't love your neighbors yourself you're not going to get Zechariah if you don't love your neighbors yourself you'll miss the point of Exodus uh, if you don't love God with all your heart you'll lose out in Deuteronomy you'll lose out in Joshua you'll lose out in judges, you'll find out the people failed because ultimately they didn't love God with all their heart and they didn't love their neighbor as their self. Everything in the law and the prophets hangs on two commandments. Let me say it another way. Therefore, if the Lord can bring you to satisfy, obey, and fulfill those two commandments, then all the purposes of God expressed in the Law and Prophets will be accomplished in your life. Hey, we just took 39 books and narrowed them down to a straight gate. Two commandments. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbors, yourself. Now, buddy, buddy, that's a narrow path. That's a narrow path right there. That's a narrow gate. Yes, sir. Now let's put these together. Let's, let's emphasize this principle. Back to Matthew's gospel, chapter 7. There is now again this one. I, I want to bring a couple of things together. Number one, I want to, to deal with this principle that he espoused of Love. Love. In those, the are two commandments. They only involve one principle, and that's the principle of love. The love has two directions. It has a horizontal direction, and it has a vertical direction, but it's still love, and it's the same kind of love. It may have a different intensity in the vertical. It may have a, a, a stronger devotion in the vertical than it does in the horizontal, but it's not a different nature. It's the same principle. There's one principle. That's right. That really narrows the gate, doesn't it? Oh, my. Now we're down to this gate uh, and we're coming in uh, so that the whole life uh, has to be yeah. motivated by love uh, Oh, a love toward God and a love towards your fellow man and if you don't get it right there you ain't getting it right anywhere hey, if hey. you don't get it right on those commandments you're just out uh, this gate is straight Amen. buddy this gate is narrow and if you're gonna get through it you gotta bring it all down to your love right who you love and right. how you love them Amen. and the intensity therewith you love them now go back to Matthew chapter 5 again. Where he said, I've not come to destroy but to fulfill. Then he goes on to talk about accept your righteousness, exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. I already mentioned it. I'm just going to say it again with this message. And then we go down as he's describing that exceeding righteousness. And we come down to Matthew chapter 5, the end of Matthew chapter 5 and the last few verses. And he begins it in verse 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Well, before that, he said, you've heard it been said. Getting old sometimes is unhandy. Get your glasses on, Brother Woods, so you can see what you're reading. Verse 43, you've heard that it had been said, thou should love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Why? That you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. This is where he's been going all along. We're sons of God. We're all sons of God. And we need to be, but we need to act like sons of God. We need to behave ourselves like sons of God. But you've got to have the character that God has. What is it that characterizes actions? What is it that causes him to be called a God that is, is, is able to bless and, and, and do good to those that do not good do good to him? What is it about him that makes him be able to save a race that is rebellious, to save a people that turned their back on him? It is because he loves. It is because he's able to do good to men who have treated him wrongly. I'm so glad that my God was able to deal with me and love me and talk to me when I would shunned him, when I hung my head, when I turned away from him when I spurned his law he was able to reach out and he wasn't overcome with emotion and turned me around and say, son you need to turn back you need to repent you need to turn from your sin and it was that love that brought me back into the fold and he goes on to say verse 48 be ye therefore perfect that's the righteousness he's looking for That's the perfection, that's the fulfillment. Perfect is the idea of completion and fulfillment. Of filling something up to its full. Those are the ideas that come out of this. And that's what he's come to do. Fulfill the law and the prophets. He's come to make something that wasn't finished. He's come to finish it. Something that wasn't full, he's come to fill it up. Something that wasn't complete, he's come to perfect it. And this is the whole perfection of it. The righteousness of God is revealed in the law. But now he is going to bring it down. But that righteousness was never completed in the hearts of the people. Why? Because their hearts were never motivated by love. were motivated by self-righteousness. They were motivated by fear. They were motivated by pride. They were motivated by greed. They were motivated by numerous things in order to get them to do right. There were many motivations they have, but every one of them that failed, failed because he didn't love God with all his heart and he didn't love his neighbor as himself. And I'm telling you, Jesus, that's the root and that's what I've come to do. I've come to fulfill the righteousness because I've come to make and cause a people to love as God loves to be motivated as God is motivated now watch this again Matthew 7 and 12 so there's this narrow principle of love that's why this gate is straight because of this principle love And he says, therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do unto you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Now, he didn't say on this one principle hang all the law and the prophets. But he says, this is the law and the prophets. Why? Because this particular purpose, or this particular verse rather, is an explanation of one of those laws on which all the law and the prophets hang. Remember the law and the prophets according to Matthew 22. Hang on two principles, two commandments. Love the Lord God, mm-hmm. thy God. It's not love the Lord coddles God. Mm-hmm. It's not love the Lord hootens God. It's love the Lord thy God. You can't love him unless he's God right, in right. your life. Mm-hmm. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mm-hmm. thy heart, soul, Mine, and the second is like to it: love thy neighbor as thyself. So we have two commandments. But Jesus is in this verse going to explain to us and give a fuller explanation of the second commandment: thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But what does that mean to love your neighbor as yourself? That means, does that mean if I get me a set of clothes, I get you a set of clothes? Does that mean if I buy me a new Ford truck, I get you a new Ford truck? Don't get any ideas. (laughs) Don't worry about it. Can't get one for me, so I know you ain't getting one. Amen. But nevertheless, here's the idea. What does that mean to love your neighbors yourself? And Jesus will tell us. Here's what it means. Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do unto you. So in other words, and he puts this in a way that is different That all others, there's some that have said because in some of the writings of other philosophers they have been found before Jesus Christ that they also espoused this principle. I think Confucius was one and there's some others supposedly that have stated this and so they say Christ was not original. (laughs) I love that one. You got to love that. Buddy. Buddy. Can I tell you something that he was before them? And if they discovered anything, they discovered it because he revealed it. And because there's already a law been given where the principles are already found there. But let me also say to you that they did not express it like Jesus did. He will express it in a different way. He will express it in a very unique way. He will tell you that you have, and this this particular context is a situation where there is a brother that has a, 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 a moat, a splinter in his eye, and that is his vision is impaired. He can't see correctly, not physically, but spiritually, mentally, and he's not doing something right. He needs corrected in his life. His life is not what it ought to be, and you can see clearly, and you need to be able to help him, and you want to go and help get the splinter out of this man. Eye, so that his eye can be healed and he can see clearly and walk straight in the path. And so he tells us and he comes down and summarizes uh, of this principle in that kind of context and says, okay, here's how you do it. Here's how you love this man as yourself. Here's how you obey this principle of love. You look at this situation and you put yourself in his shoes. You put the shoe on the other foot, so to speak, uh, and you look at your brother and you see where he is, your neighbor. Okay, if I was where he is, let's suppose I'm the one with the mote in my eye. Let's suppose that I'm the one that needs to be corrected. I'm the one that needs to be talked to. How would I want to, or what would I want others to do unto me if I'm in that situation? I don't know about you, buddy, but if I got a hurt, eye, I'd appreciate some help. I got a splinter that's driving me nuts Uh, I'd appreciate but I tell you what uh, I don't want anybody laying hold of my eyeball and I don't want them laying hold of it in any old way no sir Uh, I'm not interested in anybody just coming up uh, and treating me any old way because I might lose more than a moat I might lose the whole eye I might lose another eye I might be in all kinds of trouble no sir Uh, so I'm thinking here how would I want that man to approach me how would I want him to deal with me and however I want him to deal with me so I have to put myself where he is and then I have to think uh, uh, given my understanding uh, this is how I want men to do unto me Uh, I'm a righteous man and I want men to treat me this way Uh, then I tell you what that's what I'm going to go do unto him uh, and I'm going to do that Uh, I'm not going to sit back and wait wait for him to take action I'm going to take action that's what love does Uh, it reaches out Uh, if I was in my neighbor's shoe uh, and I had to deal with me uh, how would I want men to deal with me yeah. That's, right. that's how you love your neighbor as yeah. yourself notice it's not let your neighbor love you it's you love your neighbor yeah. you reach out in love to help, to correct, to teach, to instruct and do whatever is necessary to your neighbor in a way that you want your neighbor to do the same thing unto you Jesus. that's how that one commandment is summarized Let's look at this next verse. Now he says, Enter in at the straight gate. It's straight because of this principle of love. It's straight because of its distinction. There's no other road like it. There's no other road that leads where it leads. Right. There's only one road that leads to life. Amen. He didn't say, enter in at the straight gates. Mm-hmm. And there are ways mm-hmm. enter in at the straight gate. Mm-hmm. Amen. It's singular. It's singular. Yeah. It's distinct. There's only one of them. Mm. And so, in its destiny, it's the only road that leads to life. Now get the picture here. This is not an emphasis on heaven's gate when you get there going through the gate. This is not an emphasis on live your life and and arriving at Peter's gate someday. This is a gate that is presented to you now. He didn't say... Live so one day you can enter. He said, right now enter. Amen. Yeah. Right now in front of you is a straight gate. At the end of that, that gate on the other side of that gate is a way. And that way is as narrow as the gate. And the end of that way is life. When you get right now, it's strict. Right now it hems you in. Woo! Amen. Right now you're unpopular. Right now, when you compare this way under the Broadway, oh my, you don't have so many traveling companions. Oh, yeah. oh yes. Oh. On that other road, you've got a lot of traveling yeah. companions. Right. But on this road, sometimes you're lonely. Yeah. Sometimes you gotta walk it without encouragement. Bridge. Sometimes you gotta live it when nobody else seems to be right. living it. It's very narrow. It'll hem you in. When you want to branch out and do your own things, it'll smash you, it'll crush you down, it'll bring you back track. Go into the Lamb of God. If you try to get your leg over here you'll find yourself getting bruised. If you try to push against this way you'll break your arm, you'll break your leg. This way will keep you restrained so there's not much liberty to be able to turn to the left or the right. No liberty. Amen. It's straight. It's narrow. But when you get to the end of it it opens up wide. Praise God. And when you get to the end of this way, you'll step in to life. Oh, yeah.
1: Shh, yeah. Glory yeah. to
0: God. Hallelujah. Where you'll no longer be a minority, you'll be a majority. Where there'll no longer be loneliness, there'll be eternal company. Hallelujah. Where there'll no longer be shame, there'll be glory. There'll no longer be embarrassment and blasphemy. There'll be acceptance and praise and reward. Hallelujah. Where there'll no longer be one who's pressed down and hemmed in. You'll be one with the entire universe at your disposal because you're going to a place where the king reigns and the whole earth And the whole universe is here, and you will be given life. Hallelujah. Woo! Hallelujah. Praise God. Our problem today is we've made Christian the Christian gate of entrance, a broad gate. It's a wide gate. It'll accommodate every opinion. It'll accommodate every lifestyle. It'll accommodate every idea. And we have made Christianity. Why? Can I tell you something? That's not Christianity. No, sir. Listen, watch this now. You need to get this because he says something here. He says here, enter in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way. He talks about uh, that leads uh, uh, unto destruction. And many, 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 he said, are on that path. Matter of fact, you can enter that gate and not even realize you went through a gate. Why? Come on now, go That's ahead. It. That gate is so crazy wide you can't even see the sides of it. You don't even realize you've entered in through a gate and you're on a way yeah. and you're on, you went through a gate. You made a life decision to live your life based on popularity, based on what is politically correct, based on what is culturally acceptable and that's your decision you made. You've joined the throng. You've joined the crowd. You're in the big leagues. You don't even know it but you've went through a gate. You have adapted and adopted a perspective of life uh, it says uh, self is number one uh, and I don't have to love God first uh, I can love me with all my heart uh, I can love my neighbor as I want to love my neighbor I can do whatever I want to do uh, you don't even know it but you're on a path uh, and when you get to the end of that path it's going to narrow down like a funnel to a place uh, of destruction yeah, that's right, Amen. 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 Yeah. come on brother Woo. Glory. There'll be very little variety in hell. No. You'll not get a trophy in hell. No, sir. You'll not be patted on the back in hell. No. You won't be lauded for all your earthly accomplishments in hell. They no. won't matter. Whatever books you've written will be of no value. Right. Whatever mark on the world that you made of your own doing will be of no value. It'll be of no worth. It'll get you nowhere. There, you're in the same place as the devil. Come on, folks. You're in the same place. You're in the same place as the Hitlers and the Mussolinis. Oh, yes. All of that crowd and the Charles Mansions, all of that that you thought were so bad. Far off, you found out it got so narrow that you all got put in the same place. What a narrow, despicable, disgusting, horrible, tormenting place to be. But it's because you were on a broad road. Oh, but I'm telling you something. Look, he says, few there be that find it. Why? This kingdom suffers violence. I'm telling you, sometimes the gate is obstructed. Sometimes there's things in the way and the gate is so narrow, it's easy to hide it. Oh, oh yes, man. it's easy for folks to throng around and to put obstacles. And so a big stone is erected and because uh, and there's this idea that you've got oh well surely I can keep this and you got a lot of baggage surely God doesn't mind this. Surely God doesn't oh, mind this. Surely I don't have to give up this. Yeah. I don't have to give up that but you'll find out with all your backpacks and all your suitcases when you try to get through the gate you can't get through it's narrow. You can't Through the gate, you gotta drop the baggage, you gotta drop the luggage, and you gotta say, Here I am, here I am, God, choose me. Go right to the Lamb of God. You can measure it, you can express it however you want to, but there is a fact few find that gate in comparison to the massive numbers of humanity the ones that find and enter that gate are few i'll tell you why sometimes they're too lazy to roll the stone out of the way sometimes there's too much trauma they don't want to get through it because they have to deal with some things in their life. Too many memories have to be dealt with. Uh Too many past failures have to be dealt with. Woo, come on now. Sometimes there's a relationship that has to be given up Mm -hmm. because the gate won't accommodate you with your girlfriend. (laughs) The gate won't accommodate you with your, your, what do they call it today? thank you, with your significant other. Oh, yes. The girl, the gate will not accommodate you and your significant other. No, sir. You won't accommodate your marriage, sir, to a homosexual. That you and another man, you as a man married to another, it won't accommodate that. No, sir. Your lifestyle, it won't accommodate your music. And you are struggling. You see it, but there's things obscuring it. And you're too lazy. You're too self-conscious. You're too world Conscious, and you don't want to deal with it. You don't want to get down. Well, you have to ask your question: Where am I going? Who am I? Why am I here? What is life really all about? I must consider this man Jesus, because he is this gate. Oh, hey. This gate is straight, because the gate is none other than Jesus Christ, and there's only one. And I'm telling you, you can't get through the gate until you deal with him. If you don't want to deal with Jesus, if you don't want to ask who he is, if you don't want to listen. Listen to what he says. Uh, if you don't want to evaluate his claims, uh, you're not going to get through because he is the gate. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Woo! Ramachadayam. 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 Thank you. Glory to the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 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 Glory to God. There is there is no such thing as a Christianity without Christ. No right. way. No way. Amen. It doesn't exist. This gate is straight. It's straight. It's straight. Let me make a com- another comment here and I'll move on. You can get through the broad gate and not even realize you went through a gate because it's so wide. But this gate is so narrow yeah. that you can't get through it without purpose and decision. Right. <sighs> Amen. You will not get through it and be, oh, I didn't realize I was a Christian. Oh, I didn't realize I was on my way to heaven. Oh, isn't this nice? What a pleasant surprise. No, there'll be no surprises. No Amen. No, sir, that gate is deliberate. It's right there. You've got to find it. Yeah. You've got to shove out the things that are in its way. You've got to deal with the violence right. that is attacking. this. Right. Isn't it an amazing thing? This one little gate, this one little narrow gate, and all of evil is brought to bear against right. it. Oh, God. No. No. Oh just to keep the people. Why, if you've got all that space out there, why do you care about folks going through this gate? Oh, because the one that go through that gate, buddy, they're gone someplace the devil can't go. They're gone someplace the sinner can't go. They're going go. to a place of choice, a place of glory that the world cannot enter. Amen. 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 Mm. There are no accidental Christians. There are only Christians of deliberate decision and willful submission unto God Almighty. It's the only way you can be one. Now watch this. So this gate that's straight because of that principle, straight because of its distinction, it's the only gate straight because of its destiny think about that one so much to preach here should God's eternal glory and life be given to just anyone we understand something that when you have something of great value, it cannot be trusted to just anyone. Right. Amen. It can only be given to those who appreciate its worth yes. and are willing to preserve yes. that worth Amen. and Thank value. Lord Life cannot be given, heaven cannot be given to those who would not appreciate it and who would destroy it. Right. <laughs> He cannot give his glory to those who are rebels in his kingdom or it would be a kingdom divided against itself and his kingdom would not stand. No, God is not a fool. God is not a fool. It must be those who love him with all their heart. As I close this portion right here, can I just say this one more time? How long has it been since you felt the narrowness of the way you're in. Come on, Come on, if God's not doing some cropping on your life, I got to wonder which way you're on. That's right. yeah, sir. If God's not bringing you to bear and bringing you to focus on him and his work yeah. and his kingdom and your character, if you're not being brought to focus on those things, you might be on another road. Because I'm telling you, this way is narrow and it will press you in. Glory oh, oh, to the Lamb of God. I'm telling you, you've got to understand that. Few be that find it. Folks have wanted to enter, but they could not enter in. A rich man wanted to get through the gate, but it was too narrow and wouldn't accommodate his riches. And Jesus said, You got to sell what you have. Too narrow. I can't get through a gate. A woman at the well found out it's narrow. You got to deal with your adulterous pastor. You got to Deal with the ones you call your husbands, uh, or you're not getting through this gate. Uh, Nicodemus, it's too narrow. You can't bring your self righteousness. You got to be born from above. Hey, I'm going to tell you, Peter, you can't take your fisherman net. Uh, you can't take all of that. You got to come in, uh, leave your nets, and follow me because the gate is narrow. Christianity will hem you in. Yes, and the closer you get there, and the greater your love is for God, yes. and the better able you're able to love your neighbor, you will find your life getting narrower and narrower mm. and narrower. Right. Mm. Right. Hallelujah! I close this passage right here, considering this gate and its narrowness, and singularity, and all the reasons it is what it is. He now issues a warning. Listen to the warning. What's he say? See, you're trying to find this gate. You're trying to make a decision to get through this gate so you can get on the way that leads to life. Many, if not all of you, today, you've entered that gate. You're on that way. So now you're walking down this way. And although it's a narrow way, watch out. There are things lurking in the shadows. Beware of false prophets. Beware of false prophets. That's what he says. Now remember, what has he come to fulfill? The law and the prophets. But there are prophets who may speak the law, but they are false prophets. The emphasis in this passage is not on the falseness of the message, but the falseness of the man. There is no mention here as to his message. As a matter of fact, we go a little bit further down and we find a crowd whose works are completely commendable. They cast out devils. They prophesy in his name. And he didn't say they prophesied false things. They prophesied in his name and they did many wonderful works. There is not a problem with their activities per se. So it would seem neither necessarily sometimes with their message. That's why we're from folks. It is really disturbing when they get detoured by a message that is obviously false. Forget the preacher. The message is so absurd. I don't know how you could buy it. Yeah, come on yeah. But this is not a problem. We are often not tricked by false messages because that's easy to discern. I can take the message and quickly apply it to the Word and if the Word and the message don't agree, I toss out the message and I keep the Word. That's an easy one, all right? Oh, yeah. It's tougher when I've got a person who is preaching right and living wrong. Oh. It's harder when I've got a guy who's dressed right. It's sheep's clothes. But underneath the clothing is the heart of a wolf. That's harder to discern. That's more difficult to find out. Woo, glory to God. It is not false messages that have hurt Christianity the worst. It's false men yeah. that have hurt Christianity the worst. Right. The greatest damage that has been done to the movement is men who preached it and didn't live it. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's oh. men who said you need to live this way and they themselves didn't live it. Therefore, the message is brought to naught because it has no life application. Right. It has no bearing upon yeah. the life and that has done more damage right. to the holiness movement yeah. than those who preach things that are obviously false. It's easy to discern a devil when he shows up looking like the devil. But when he transforms himself into a minister of light, Mm. that's when it's tough. So how do we do this? How do we discern these false men? Quite frankly, at front, up front, you may not. You may not. Watch this. He says, Do men gather? Notice, he doesn't speak to the sowing, he speaks to the harvest. Because more often than not, you cannot know the real fruit. Until it's time to pick it. Yes. When the fruit is mature, then there's no doubt about it what it is. But in its time of growth to maturity, there might be some doubts, some misgivings, some uncertainties. Do men gather grapes of thorns? Or what is it? Figs of thistles? Is that what he says? Bigs of thistles. Now let's see. Let's look at a couple of passages. I want to go first to Hebrews where these two words are mentioned. Hebrews, please, chapter six. Thorns and thistles. Thorns and thistles. In Hebrews chapter 6, he reproves a people who have sat under the word of God for years and have not allowed it to have an effect upon their life. At the end of Hebrews chapter 5, these people are dull or hearing, they become lazy in hearing. Mm. That's why I like to see that pen and paper gone. Because you're getting something new and fresh into your spirit. You get lazy and everything becomes old hat. It's just, well, it's same old, same old, same old, same old. I don't want same old, same old. No. He said, there's a time you ought to be a teacher. Yeah. In other words, your life ought to be a demonstration of the message. Right. Amen. But you're not able to demonstrate the message. You still need to follow someone else's example. Yeah. Instead of teaching, you have to still be taught because you're lazy in your hearing and your application. All right. Now he comes into chapter 6 of Hebrews and he says, therefore, he says, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on. Unto what? That's what Jesus wanted, was it? Be a perfect. We're looking, we'll be we're gonna be dealing with perfect love and what that means and looks like in, in a future message, but this love, this one principle that's got to get in our life, has to be, we focus on that one thing. If you can perfect love, yeah. if you can be brought to fulfillment in you, glory to God. God brings perfect righteousness, not by perfecting righteousness, but by perfecting you. The standard's already perfect. The psalmist said, thy law is perfect. amen. Yeah, yeah. The problem's not with the standard. The problem's with us. Right. It's not the law that needs to be um, adjusted. It's us that need to yeah, be adjusted. Man. The law doesn't need to be changed. It's the law abider yeah, that needs yeah, to be changed. Man. Yes, sir. And so the problem is never with God or his commandment. The problem is with the subject, yes. us. He said, go on to perfection. And he talks about this idea of not getting stalled, not getting hung up, not becoming lazy and dull of hearing, having your senses exercised to discern good and evil, back again from chapter 5. All of those things he talks about and deals with. And he says, you go on to perfection. Verse 4, For it's impossible for those who are once enlightened And have tasted of the heavenly gift. And were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. And have tasted the good word of God. And the powers of the world to come. If they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance. Seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh. And put him to an open shame. I don't have time to talk about all this context. I've preached about it a lot. But let this say this describes an apostate. Somebody who has known the depth of God. And they don't simply return to sin. They don't simply go back to their own habits and haunts. They reject the truth of Christ and embrace another system as truth. And so they trade one system for another. They go back. The problem in Hebrews was Jewish Christians who had left Judaism to embrace Christ as Messiah coming to a tasted of the Holy Ghost sent by the Messiah, heard from the Word of God who explained and expounded about the Messiah, known that, tasted it, been persecuted for it. But somewhere along the road, somebody convinced them to go back to Moses and leave off Jesus. In other words, somebody convinced them to leave the fulfillment of and the perfect and go back to the imperfect and wait for another fulfillment. That's a problem. It's one thing to go back and sin and know you're living wrong and know you need to get back to where you were in God. That's one thing. It's another thing to go back and sin And have no desire to get back to where you were in God because you don't even think it's right anymore. You don't think it's truth anymore. And you've embraced another concept, another world perspective. And now I'm going to live this way. And what I was doing uh, as a Christian wasn't really right at all. It wasn't truth at all. It wasn't how man should live. And man should live this way. Buddy, when you can taste of Jesus uh, and then tell him that he's not Jesus, uh, when you can taste of Christ uh, and the Holy Ghost uh, and then deny it as ever the real Holy Ghost, you got a problem, buddy. I'm telling you, can I tell you right here and now? You are not coming back. No, sir. You're going. There right. yeah. are many backsliders. They don't deny the Holy Ghost. They don't deny Christ and they don't deny what they had. They just know they've fallen into sin. They can come home. But the man who has rejected Christ to where he thinks it's completely wrong will never return back to that. Now, watch this. Verse 6. Again, verse 7. For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it and bringeth forth herbs meat for them by whom it is dressed receiveth blessing from God. But that which beareth what? Thorns. And? Briars. The word briars is the same word as thistles back in Matthew. That which bears thorns and thistles. Briars is what? Rejection. And nigh unto cursing whose end is to be burned. Now quickly, I don't know what time it is. I'll just look. Just forget the time, all right? I'm only going to preach once today anyway, so let's just make the most of it. Now, notice what he said. The earth is there drinking in rain. It's drinking in heaven. But when heaven gives rain, heaven wants fruit. Isn't it terrible to have all that rain come and reap a harvest of weeds? Yes, sure. yes. That's aggravating. God says the earth drinks in rain. The context is this. Here's a man God's poured his spirit into. Here's a man God's word has come to. Here's a man that's tasted heaven's power and has tasted of the earnest of the kingdom to come. God's reigned into his life. God has sowed into his life. And then all of a sudden, he rejects it. And instead of bearing fruit back to God, instead of giving God back a harvest out of what God has put into his life, he bears thorns and thistles. He turns people from God instead of turning people to God and he bears a life of thorns and thistles. God said, into that man is destruction. Into that man is cursing. If I put into a life, and I put rain, and I put seed, and I put fertilizer, and I have cultivated a man, I want fruit from that man. I want a harvest from that man. I want back from him what I put in him. And if I put in and he gives back something else, I'm telling you, his end will be burning. I'll gather him up with the thorns and the thistles and cast." him out to be burnt. Right. Come on. Watch Matthew chapter thirteen. We'll bring it together and about to close. Matthew chapter thirteen. The parable of a sower who goes to sow. Are you with me? Say amen. 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 In verse eighteen, he begins to explain the parable of the sower. There's one particular I want to look at. Verse twenty-two. Matthew 13 and verse 22. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. He also that receives seed, where? Among, thorns. Among, the thorns. Among the thorns. Is he that heareth the word and the care of this world mm-hmm. and the deceitfulness of riches right. choke the word mm-hmm. and he becomes unfruitful. What happened to the man in Hebrews 6? He heard the word and he became unfruitful. What's happening to the man here? He hears the word and he becomes unfruitful. That's exactly what's going on in Matthew's gospel chapter 7. It's folks who preach the word, but it bears no fruit in their life. It's just thorns and thistles. It's thorns and thistles. Now let's understand. I already went through some things, but in Matthew, what is it that causes the word not to bear fruit in the life? How is it that you can have men and women that can sit under the hearing of God's word? You can have men who study God's word, and it never changes them. It never makes them different. It is no distinction in their, there's no uh, transformation in their character. How can that take place? Uh, Well, it can take place, as we said in Hebrew, because you just get lazy. You just get to the place You think you know it all You don't strive You don't push You don't want to learn Anything else You don't even want To to take a sense Of what is this all about I want to remember What Brother Wood said I want to take that And apply it I want to find out How that word Can get down into my heart This week And I can live the way God wants me to live I got to be a better husband I got to be a better father I got to be a better church member I got to be a better saint I got to be a better Christian I need to know Get that word down In my heart And that preacher Preaches that word And it burns into that at heart, but if you get lazy and you won't do anything about it, you go home, you forget what you did here, you're like somebody who is a hearer of the word and not a doer. You look into the glass, but you turn and go your way, and you forget the manner of man that you were. You're a forgetful hearer of God's word. Woo! This church can't afford that anymore. We cannot afford to have preaching on top of preaching and we become forgetful hearers. When the word is preached it's like a mirror and it reveals where you are, don't argue with them, don't fuss about it. Put in place what's out of place and make sure you make the adjustment and move up in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Laziness, complacency, and indifference will cause the word put in you to become unfruitful. Cares of life will distract your mind Mm -hmm. so the preaching cannot have its impact on it. Your thirst for riches. You're more concerned about your possessions Mm -hmm. that all of your attention is brought to bear upon them. In other words, what happens is As you begin to back out of the narrow way and desire one that's broader. Mm -hmm. The day you begin to yearn for the very things that are destructive in your life and will kill the Word of God in you, you're in trouble. Now, who are these guys preaching? They are men that will not apply the Word of God to their own lives. So you wait to harvest. You look at them. Now note something. Listen to me very carefully here. When you have a situation like this, a false prophet, and you find out that he is bearing the fruit of thorns and thistles, he's not living and practicing what he preaches. He's not demonstrating it. And in actuality, his message motivates people more to have wealth and the world's riches than heaven's riches. We should have been able to write off the prosperity doctrine at the beginning. Because by its very doctrine, it caused a person to seek after things that by their very nature choke the word out of a person's That's life. Right. That's right. Yes. Why didn't we reject it on that basis? Because we thought these fellows are okay. That mm-hmm. they were producing thorns. When it finds out that you've got a false prophet. Don't throw out the message. Throw out the man. Don't get rid of the prophesied word. Get rid of the prophet. Our temptation is, is when somebody falls or somebody is shown to be false that we want to lighten up to and say well then maybe if they can't make it neither can I if they can't do it neither can I no sir when I see somebody fall you know what i say Lord him me in tighter yes. when I see somebody that's false and was coming and pretending to be a part of this way when in actuality they were buying into the wide way the whole time yes. oh it looked like they were on the narrow but they weren't on the narrow they were involved in that broad road and bringing in thorns and thistles, when I can discern in their life and see that the fruit and the product that they're after is money and the product they're after is the things that are of the world and not the things that are God, That I will not write off the message. I'll write off the man and I'll say, God, him me in. Let me get out of every thorn. Let me get out of every thistle. Let me weed my garden. I want the word to bear fruit in my life preach message I have an impact change me and make me change me and make me over and over stand to your feet this morning you might would wonder why such a narrow road and such a narrow gate would undergo such violence I mean when it comes down to it we were in the classroom with these young folks the other day and I said think with me just for a moment why With regards to our standard of dress, we don't believe in cross-dressing. We don't believe men should dress like women and women should dress like men. Amen. 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 Thank you. (laughs) We believe our appearance should be simple, biblical. We toss the jewelry. The hairstyles kept simple. We're not after name brands. We want to honor Christ. Okay. But put that aside just for a moment. Our culture embraces and allows every absurdity. If there's ever been a time in a nation... When you have liberty to dress any old way, it's now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anything goes and anything's acceptable in any place. Right. Yeah, that's true. It don't matter if you're in a church house or the White House. That's yeah. right. It don't matter. If you're in a funeral home, you can wear your beach clothes anywhere you want to go, even in a pulpit of a church. Right. Come on, brother. Yeah, it's true. In other words, the standard of the world is... is Hey, bud, if that's what turns you on, we're good. Why is it then they care about us? Why is it that when our daughters go into their educational institutions, Mm -hmm. why this attack? They're not attacking the tattooed body pierced, shorts and beach clothes wearing dye, but a young lady that's dressed with dignity and honor is all of a sudden under attack in a world that permits liberty. Why? It's not so much because of what we wear. It's because of the road we're on. It's because of the reason why we do it. If they ask us, why do you wear dresses all the time? And we told them, I don't know. It's just my kick in life, man. I don't care how everybody else dresses. I just like wearing dresses. And and I just wear this because, you know, i have done. I'm comfortable with it. And my kick, they'd never hear another word about it. No. But when you tell them, sir, I serve a king. I'm a king's daughter. Woo! and I'm here to honor my king and my king is Jesus and I believe he is honored and his word tells me that I honor him through a modest appearance and I'm a woman so I dress like a woman the way my king made me the problem. is not with your code. The problem is with your king. Oh, glory. The problem is not with your standard. It's with the straight and narrow way that you're on. They don't mind the standard. They mind the standard bearer. They do not mind the fact that you're dressing different. They don't mind if you're narrow-minded. They just mind when you tell them it's the only way to life. It's the only only way that we can live hallelujah when you tell them that their road will take them to a different destiny than your road it's Katie by the door it's all violence the kingdom suffered violence but get a grip on it and don't let go I'm going on to glory Shande ya la 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 Be careful of that man who pretends to be on the narrow way but espouses a lifestyle that is akin to the broad way. You will have a wolf in sheep's clothing. He isn't concerned about the shepherd. He wants to devour the sheep. If you think that today's pillow prophets and false men are preaching for the love of the gospel, you're wrong. They're preaching Mm -hmm. for the love of money Mm -hmm. and prestige. And they are devouring the sheep. Glory. enemy wants to get you off course yes. don't let him do it no, amen. don't let him do it amen.